Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. And this is the second of my two uh, podcasts featuring Matt Searles. You can listen to last week's podcast uh, on the website uh, or via your normal podcast app and I do encourage you to do that. I was talking to Matt about how he came to write uh, modern contemporary settings of the Psalms uh, and particularly we were talking about his latest album, Watchers of the Night. I carried on talking to Matt about church music and Christian music more generally, and you can hear the rest of our conversation in this week's podcast. Matt, when I um, told people on the internet that I was going to come and chat to you... Uh, that was a mistake. It, it was a mistake, and I apologise <laughs> for that. A number of people who know both of us then suggested a, a lot of quite inappropriate questions, which I won't ask you. Uh, <laughs> But there was a question which actually was sort of on my mind to to ask about anyway, the issue of congregational singing. So your albums, you've talked about how they're very personal and the the sort of source of them uh, is that kind of wanting to reflect on them for yourself and Mm. to express your own response to them. Do you have any sense that they they might be used by churches in, in congregational singing or is that something you would say, no, these aren't suitable for that context? I think when I was originally, I mean, once once I was sort of writing towards the first album, I mean, once it's the first song, there was no, it just sort of happened in a sense. But but after that, I, I did think I'm going to try and write things that are congregationally singable. Um, having not written songs before, I didn't quite realise how hard that was. Yeah. And there's a, um, there's a bit of a tension um, between a, a song being congregationally singable and a, a song being interesting. Right. Um, oh, okay, God. And uh, because often what makes a song interesting is is surprising moments or an unusual interval mm. um, or rhythm. Um, whereas the more predictable the song is, the easier the it easier is, for... is to sing. Um, and which is why you you realise that you know, the, the kind of keeping Kristen Getty, Stuart Townend, these kind of people, um, you realise what a thing it is to write such immediately accessible songs, yet still interesting and. Um, yes. and and have a beauty to them because often there's a bit of a tension between those two um so my goal was to try and write congregational songs and um, probably some of them I succeeded most of them I didn't okay. um and as I've gone on I think I've been aware actually to say I'm going to write a song that's going to be sung by some of churches all over the place I think there's relatively few songs sung in church well I was thinking about this again on the way here and um what, one of the questions somebody posed was you know sort of in a cage cage match who would win between Charles Wesley and Isaac Watts and obviously it's Charles Wesley but he wrote I believe many many hundreds of hymns and we probably regularly sing about 10 yeah so his hit rate is actually quite low yeah in terms of songs yeah, that, and that I, have lasted and, Isaac, and have sung everywhere exactly um, and and I think we look at these as the people who are the great hymn writers. Mm. And so to say, actually, every song I write will will become a song that churches sing is probably ridiculously unrealistic, isn't yeah. it? And so what? So for me personally, once once I sort of recognised that, yeah. what, what, once I recognised that a number of people was going to be saying they were benefiting from the music, listening to it, but pretty much no churches were picking up any of the songs and singing them. I kind of realised, okay, that's sort of where I'm sitting. So I've tried on every album, and the most recent one, particularly, actually, I've got some some very singable congregational songs, mainly because I've written new words to existing tunes. Okay. So I one song that, to the tune of another always works. I know they can be sung, um, but once I was aware that actually what was happening is people were listening, mm. then I have always tried to keep 
not doing too far from congregational singing, mm. but aware actually if this song isn't going to work as a congregation, I'd probably still keep it. It's still okay. I'd still always aim for it being congregational. I but think, if I was failing, yeah. I'd think that's fine. That's okay. Um, I mean, it is the case, isn't it, that although many of the psalms, most of the psalms, I guess, are written in the first person singular, they are I mm. songs, we know that they were sung corporately you know that's why we've got these instructions about the tune and the director of music and and singing in the assembly and and so on so you know it's a good aim isn't it that we should be able to sing psalms together oh absolutely but um the realities of that in terms of writing appropriate kind of music so i mean when you're talking about songs that are congregationally singable and not i mean you mentioned a bit about the sort of predictability what what are the sort of constraints or, I mean, when you've written a song, do you know this is something that a church could sing or not? Sometimes I'm not sure, partly because any creative process, it's hard to get perspective. Yes. Um, uh, there was one song that, um, on my um, Tumbling Sky album, mm. the, la- the last song with all my heart, that I thought probably wasn't congregationally singable. So a friend emailed me, said I'd like to do it at his church, could he have sheet music? To which I replied, well, I really wouldn't bother. Mm. And then I discovered it's being sung all over the place and people are enjoying it. And I've sung it in church and it really works. And I... I who knew? Who okay. knew? And I thought that wouldn't. Um, okay. So it, it, I guess some, like the one that changes tune halfway through... Might be tricky. Might be tricky. But actually being a, a lament, I'd always envisaged that might have been... I've used that, I've played that in church while people have reflected. Interesting. But actually sometimes it's quite nice to engage that way. But sometimes I just, I just yeah. don't know. And actually okay. any... Um, I think Matt Redman's famous song, 10,000 Reasons, um, wasn't going to be on his album um, because he thought it was just a bit kind of folksy and yeah. not really, just, just yeah, did, and then didn't that... really think it had particular, um, well, not, it didn't have any value, but I think wasn't going to be in there. I think, I forget the details already, yeah. someone said, oh, go on, put it on the album. And it became the biggest song. The big hit, um, yeah. And so it's very hard to know. Fair. So I, yeah. Yeah, I'm always trying to think, and I write things that I hope might serve the church, but then it's a bit of a... Yeah. And do you have any advice, if you're somebody who is um, in charge of music at church or, in, you know, kind of leading the music group, and of how they can move some of the music that is very popular that people are listening to, how they make that work in their church? I don't know, other things. So, for example, in my, in my church, when we sing modern songs, we tend to sing them as they appear on the album, which means we sing what I believe is called the bridge. And, and I think that's always the really hard bit to mm. sing because the tune is different and it's often quite high or just quite weird or quite difficult. And I've noticed in some places they don't feel that they need to, to do that. And are there ways that you think we can be doing more to help people make the most of, of you know, what the really great music that is around mm. in churches? Quite often when I preach around in different churches, one of the questions I often get, get asked is, oh, by the way, as you're here, um, any comments on the music? Oh, or, gosh. Um, how can we make the music better? Yeah. I think that's the one. How can we make the music better? Um, which is a hugely loaded question because... Um, what does better mean? Yeah. Um, and I was um, talking to someone recently who kind of, you know, what you call your music team, um, you know, music team, worship group, but there's a whole number of things. Um, but I think, I think the key is congregational singing. Biblically, it's the voice of the congregation that counts. Um, and you get 
music instruments in the psalms and, and yes elsewhere. the timbrel and, and, and the harp and, and all of that yeah. yes but they're always to serve the congregation right and so i, I think whatever we do musically and um, it's not the music group doing their thing it's they're really the accompaniment section okay. and so just to have that i think that changes mm. things already so then think okay what can we do as an accompaniment section that will help people sing um once you've got that in place yes. i think you approach things very differently um oh, but that's a bit boring for me to play just a simple bass line. Well, it's not, it, that's not the point. What will help people sing? If you ever, I, I, mm. on occasion, accompanied someone else on the piano or they play the violin or something, and you do very little because it's not about you, it's about yes. the violinist. And I think for music groups to have something about That's that, very interesting, yes, the accompanist what, what will, mentality. The accompanist, what will mm. serve? We're not, we're not pushing ourselves to the foreground, but there are certain things we can do that, 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 that help people sing. Um and sort of the main things I encourage people is choose the key that people can sing in. Okay. Most, um, a lot of Christian music is men who sing, uh, as in recorded yes. artists. Um, and most male uh, professional singers have a much higher voice than other men, and certainly than women who tend to sing a bit lower anyway. Yes. So your average Christian album that you listen to, if you just sing it as It's recorded, very difficult, yes. No one can sing it. Yes. Um, uh, so... so uh, especially if you've got an electric piano there's probably a transpose button on there so you just press the button to so turn just press it down the button, a bit just, just bring it down or if you're a guitar you have one of those things that you stick stick over the yeah, cap or, or whatever something. yeah and probably actually somewhere there's probably sheet music in the appropriate you know, key. the appropriate key um so that's the so i've been in churches where everything's just too high because it's all contemporary music mm. um, the other thing is of course people have grown a lot taller since the Victorian and previous generations. So uh, everyone's vocal cords are longer, so the average pitch of a human voice is much lower than it was. Gosh. Which is why Heart and Herald Angels Sing sounds so terrible in some at times, because none of us can hit that F at the end. There you go. Which is far too high. I never written, knew that. It was which, fine for people, because they were all short. Visit a castle, look at the suits of armour. Everyone was short back then. So <laughs> that if, is brilliant. So if you either have old hymn books, yes. or you're doing the newest... I mean, Chris Tomlin, for example, or someone who's got a very high voice compared to most um I mean, it sounds yeah. wonderful on the album but if you try but and we sing can't like that, replicate that yeah, we can't most replicate of us that. um so that's the actually the main encouragement i know i haven't quite answered the question but no that's brilliant that's main, really helpful. i think actually because it, it's exhausting to try and sing too hard yes. and then no wonder people think oh the music wasn't and actually what they mean is i was just i was just so tired yes and i couldn't hit it and you can't really engage with what the song is trying no. to do if all you're thinking about is trying to get mm. the next breath to get the next yeah. note and let me be let me be controversial because I'm not enough to meet any of the people I'm speaking to. Excellent. In that case, I, you know, the the comeback might be well, we can't bring the key down because our clarinetist, our violinist, our so and so, they won't be able. The, the piano. They can't do the transposing easily. Key. Well, who said they needed to play? Mm. Actually, I would say for the sake of the congregation. At time, I mean, obviously, the best thing we can do is find someone who can write out music at a lower key. I was going to say, I mean, that's the thing I remember, you know, in the dim and distant past, I used to play the clarinet. I, I do it's not. you I'm thinking of. I this. do not play it now. But actually, I'm, I'm perfectly capable, given time, of working out how to write out the music for myself mm. at whatever level it needs yeah. to be. I can't do that on the spot if I turn up on Sunday sure. morning. But if someone no. tells me a week before, I yeah. probably could work it out. But I just say, just yeah. it's just a sl- it's a subtle mind shift. I mean, it's it's hard yeah. because the people often in our churches are serving 
week by week. With little, so it's not a, a sort of no, that's right. And many churches are uh, are working with people who are doing that very sacrificially, yeah. who aren't necessarily the best musicians no, in the world. No, absolutely. And, but they're the, they're what they've got. Yeah. And right. and they have to make. But I think if you can, the best if of you can that. think, how can whoever the we is, how can we serve the people who are singing? Mm. Um, even that means you know what I'm. Gonna, Maybe I won't play. Even just for those songs, we haven't yet tra- yeah. tra- transposed I'll just, those. I'll just stand back and sing I'll on stand those. back and, and sing with a big smile on my face, leading people, helping them to engage. Yeah, so it's interesting. I was at a service in our cathedral a few weeks ago, and there was a hymn which clearly nobody knew. And what you really need in that circumstance is someone to bang out the melody really loudly yep. to follow along. And what we actually had was an organist who I think probably couldn't even hear the congregation and didn't know that we couldn't hear, mm. but also was just quite happily playing his own thing mm. and it, so even by the time we got to the fourth verse we weren't really joining in mm. and and it wasn't as you say serving mm. uh, the singing whereas you know often what I really find helpful is if there is somebody at a microphone singing who can do something like make it really obvious when you're about to come in absolutely so helpful for for the rest of us to see okay he's taking a breath looking around I know that's that's my moment because we've all been the person who starts the line too early and you do this little solo and everyone looks at you and then you yes. kind of, you kind of wait and then you join in when you're actually supposed exactly. to exactly and especially if you're me who's loud but not very tuneful it's it's not a great moment for the whole church and it, what it means is of course you're not engaging on the lord because there's this kind of nervousness and reluctance what you you know the yeah. psalms it tells us to lift our hearts to the Lord. Mm. Um, and so partly what we're doing with musically is helping people to do that. So actually, yeah, giving a clear lead of when we're to sing and when we're not. And as you say, the big yeah. breath, I, when I'm leading yeah. music, um, I, I often actually I lead from guitar. I'll often just step back from the microphone when we're not singing or even deliberately break eye contact with mm. the congregation. If there's a moment when they might think it's time to start, but actually there's a bit of a longer introduction. And then as we're about to start, I'll come back, give us a kind of yeah. smile and, just make it so obvious. Yes, exactly. And when, when people know you're doing that, they know to look and they know they can trust. And, and so everything's more relaxed. Oh, well, that's it. And they relax and focus on the words and through yeah. that focus on, on the Lord rather than in one sense, then thinking about music isn't what anyone's doing. Which is which is the goal that people yeah. don't come away going, wow, the band were fantastic. No, you want people to come... come away saying, what glorious truths. Yes, and the Lord is fantastic, and, the Lord and, is fantastic. and that's what that is what. When we were just discussing this earlier, Matt, you mentioned something about the distinction between conference singing and congregational singing in church. Can you tell me what you meant by that? Yes, and that was the third thing I was going to say when you mentioned about about the bridge and I, a lot of Christian music, not but by no means all, but a lot of the sort of congregational music particularly that comes from America, a lot of it is kind of associated with either big churches or big conferences, which... So you've got thousands of people in the room rather than sort of 40. Rather than 40. Um, And you've got um, a vast array of musicians on stage and a professional sound person at the back of the room making it all sound wonderful. And that context, I mean, it leads to a particular type type of music, but often the bridge in Christian music or in some of that kind of big, con- I mean, big conference music, is a thing that you kind of sing eight times, maybe. Right. A similar thing. And what you often, it's really a sort of ramping up of emotion. You kind of sing it once, and then you sing it again, and gradually, the bass, and you and you sing it again, and, and more instruments build in. And a lot of what's happening is it's the music that's driving things. Um, sometimes the words of bridges are absolutely wonderful. Sometimes some of the best theology is almost hidden in the bridge. But actually, that's it's really about that sort of experience of and then and then the bass kicks in and then the bass and and you kind of build things up. And in that setting, 
I have to say it's not something I particularly enjoy. It's not my no, but style. But it certainly works. But it, but it works it's, yeah. because it, it's using that vast array of musicians and the number of people mm. to really sort of bring a feeling and bring an intensity. If you try and repeat that in a church where it's someone playing on the piano, there's maybe 30 of you meeting the school mm. hall. Um, often, as I say, it's very high because it's set at the tone for the... Um, or it's got an octave jump, so you yes. start singing quite low, then you sing it high. All of that works in a conference. And actually, some people can't sing along. Send me have a thousand. It people. doesn't matter it too doesn't much. Matter. I mean, I think theologically it does matter, yes. but musically it still sounds good. And the, and often again in those settings, the the band themselves are the ones you can actually hear exactly. rather than the people around professional you. Vocals. So it keeps going. So it and keeps it's all going. Fine. Yeah. And actually, sometimes then on the CD that you listen to from the conference, this live recording from the conference, which of course most of it was recorded in the studio afterwards, not actually at the conference. <gasps> it all sounds. You amazing. heard it here first, yes. Um, and uh, and the, no, you know not sort of cr- criticising big conferences, but actually the, the danger is if you just try and think we'll do that in our church and then you're surprised it doesn't sound the same. Yeah. Um, and so I think sometimes not singing the bridge, um, bringing the um, the whole range of the song down. Yeah. Um, some songs, um, some of the songs I've written, not that many, but there's one song, Creator Sustainer, which a number of churches have sung and enjoyed. It got introduced at a, at a biggish conference. But I think it only works with a sufficient number of people and, and drums because it is quite rhythm-driven. Yeah. Um, whereas right. I, I wouldn't recommend it. So everywhere. if you're not in a context where you can really do that, actually it probably... I, I just say don't, don't, don't sing do the song. It. I mean, there's plenty of... That's the thing. For you know, once it sounds somewhat critical, yeah. and which I'm not trying to be at big no. conferences, but there are plenty of good songs, and probably just the ones that get known are the ones that are... You know, mm. if a song is sung in a conference with 12,000 mm. people, well, that's 12,000 people who know about it and tell about it, so they become prominent. But there's some wonderful songs that would work in very small contexts. Yes, and I think probably that fits into a, a sort of bigger picture of what, what actually you're trying to do in a small congregation. And often I think it there is a sort of mindset of what we should do is act like we are a much bigger church. And that can have implications in, in sort of almost everything that you do, but it's certainly with, with respect to the music, mm. rather than saying, what have we got and trust that God has given us the gifts that we need in our congregation to serve him Mm. here. And therefore, how can we do that as well as we can with what we've got Mm. rather than trying to, to be something that we're not and and it not work very well. And I'm sure that um, plays out in, in the music as well. There is a perennial issue, isn't there in many churches about, um, people just, I mean, it's often generational, but I don't want to say it's just generational, the kinds of music that people find most helpful in expressing their faith. And I basically love hymns. I would be quite happy going to church where what we sang were hymns that were all written two or 300 years ago. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't hate modern music and I don't hate that we sing it, but I, I, that, I find hymns easy to sing mm. because, as you say, the tunes are very predictable um, you know, they, 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 they're kind of written for people who, for everybody to be able to sing. And I'm not particularly a musical kind of person. And so they're easy for me. And often they have really wonderful theology and, and that's what I love about them. But many people, their experience of Christian music isn't just limited to what they sing in church. It is listening to CDs. It is going to concerts. They love, you know, and the kind of music they listen to, um, every day, not just Christian music, is is very different. It's you know it's what I would like to call modern popular beat music, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And 
and they find it much harder to relate to something mm. that's written in, a, in an old-fashioned hymn kind of style. What what do we do with that in our churches? <laughs> Are there ways of helping people appreciate and um, I, I mean, enjoy seems a kind of trivial way of expressing it, but actually fully participate in music that is not music they naturally find relatable or engageable. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge issue, I, I, I guess, because music is one of the most um, sort of culturally conditioned parts of what we do in church. I mean, prayers will differ from church to church, but possibly not as as much as music or something will differ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, sermons, again, that there's yeah. not probably such a breadth, whereas music can be really very different. Yes. Um, I mean, part so much of it comes back down to, you know, what church is and what a what are we doing? It's a gathering of God's people and, um, uh, you know, to engage with God, to encourage one another. And, um, partly it will be through the regular Bible teaching of the church that we, we, we start to understand what church is, that we may be 30 people living in a, uh, meeting in a pretty dirty school hall, um, with one piano that's a bit out of tune because the school said they're tuned, but they just haven't yet. And we may feel, well, this isn't as good as, yes. um, that, mega church with all those um all those people um the truth is you don't know which, which is you know mm-hmm. you don't want to say it's more faithful to be 30 people in a grotty school than a mega church what mm-hmm. faithfulness looks like is is to do with you know being as you know yeah god-centered and um and, and all these things yeah so actually helping people to have a better perspective on what music is for in a church well, or yeah how so, we... so how, you know the question i get out you know, how can we make our music better yeah um so some points you want to say this is glorious this is god's people really engaging with him mm. um uh, lifting their hearts to the lord with um you know with joy and gusto um would i want to put a microphone in the room that be what i listen to every you know i yeah. no but but that's not what it's about but if yeah. we if if we kind of come with that attitude um uh then then sometimes we, we might envy the big um mm. the big churches but actually we need to think Theologically, um, there's nothing more exciting than our local gathering of God's people, whatever that looks like, because these are the, I was reading um, Psalm 16 this morning, these are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Yeah. And primarily that be our local congregation. And I think there's a mistake of sort of always wanting to be yeah. that church over there or whatever else. Um, I, I do think there are strengths to different types of music. Um, it's interesting you say you love hymns, um, which I do as well. What we need to say is, of course, we love the good hymns. Because yes, of it, course, it, there it, are some it, dreadful ones. There are some dreadful ones. What's happened is over the years, the cream has risen to the top. And so a lot of what we're singing is the best of what's been. And so no surprise they're so Yes, singable. all those hundreds all, of Charles Wesley's hymns that yeah, we don't a, sing there's anymore. There's a bunch of hymns that have yeah. fallen by the wayside because they're theologically inaccurate or boring tunes or whatever else. So, um, so partly there's been a self-selection that's happened. And some of the newer yeah. songs, it's harder to tell. Um Possibly, I mean, part I mean, well, yeah, church I know, um, the rule is they always sing something by a dead person um, <laughs> uh, every week, Excellent. something by a dead person, and maybe always something by a living person as and well. Probably, and, yeah, and if you put those two together, maybe you get some balance, um, which which is sort of helpful in one sense, but but I also slightly want, as we can through our teaching, to sort of yeah. undercut the idea that it's about meeting preferences. Yes, really, we don't come to church to to be served but, but to serve one another right. and if we can have something of that attitude yes and um, the youth won't come because they're old old hymns the, you know the elderly get grumpy because there's all these new beats 
well, it's not really about either group. It's how can we serve one another and what will what yeah. what will what will bless other people. Yes, and actually, mind shift. How I think maybe something about how do we express our unity as the people of God through embracing all the different things that God has given us within that, and that includes the young people and the old people and the the old music and the young music, and saying actually, we all recognise that that that's important Mm. to us as a whole body, even if my individual preferences aren't always exactly. uh, And the other thing that we maybe think about less is, is culture and sort of um, different racial backgrounds often have different musical styles interesting and just to think that are we being predominantly white, white middle class white western in what we sing and um, I know of one church where where that that's been sort of raised as a reason Very. why they struggle to um that you know families will join um from Afro-Caribbean culture say but one of the reasons one of the reasons they will say actually this feels very Mm. Sort of like we're catering to just the sort of the, the more white Western among us when there's a whole, you know, the traditions of gospel music. Very in, interesting. And yeah. other, I mean, friends of mine in, in the States, mm. a whole Hispanic, cult, rich culture of music yes. with so many things that in one sense, can we reflect something of the diversity of the, the heavenly gathering in our music? Of course, that's not to say we can always reflect every tribe and language, but to think not just generationally, how can mm. we reflect the diversity yes very interesting i mean there sort of used to be a thing which i don't certainly in my experience seems to have slightly fallen out of favor now but you know where you there would be a sort of um an african song or a you know it's a that we'd sort of all know and sing and we wouldn't really know what it meant but it felt very and i'm not sure that is absolutely the way to do it but to reflect the the diversity within your congregation and you know, you're, that is like a wider cultural area, even if your congregation is not as dark. Absolutely, to, but the people who live around where you are. Yeah, there's heavy handed ways of doing that. Yes. But I think just to have a, a, a view thinking, mm. um, let, let's let our culture be Christian before anything else. Yes. And what that, what that looks like. I hope you found that conversation as interesting and thought provoking as I did. Uh, As I say, do go and check out the previous episode of the podcast where I talked to Matt about his music and do go and check out Matt's music. We'll put some of the links to that on the blog post that goes with this podcast on the Church Society website. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not think about sharing it uh, with friends and people that you know at church who also might enjoy it or subscribe to the podcast. You can let us know any feedback that you have via Twitter at Church Society on our Facebook page, or you can always email me, ros at churchsociety.org. If you have any ideas of things you'd like to hear me uh, talking about in future podcast episodes or people that you think it would be good to interview, then do let me know your suggestions and thoughts on that as well. In the meantime, do tune in again next week when I think I will be back with Amanda Robbie for our now annual traditional Christmas gift guide. This time we're trying to do this uh, in good time to give you a chance not only to buy Christmas items, but we'll also be looking at one or two Advent items as well. So do tune in again for that next week. Thanks for listening. And I'm going to leave you with, uh, once again, one of the tracks from Matt's most recent album, Watchers of the Night. And this is The Mercies of Christ. be
Your 